the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Galatians chapter 5 is going to deal with liberty. Listen to verse 13. For ye, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's our calling. We're to serve the Lord as we serve one another. As we've done it under the least of these, we've done it to the Lord. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper with you here on Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. And we're in the book of Galatians. It's been a journey we've enjoyed. But Alex, I have to admit, uh, all the chapters are good. But I really (laughs) just love chapter 5. It, it is filled with, yeah, I think it answers the question. Yes, we're free. Free for what? Free to serve the Lord. And the way we do that is because of not what we do, but the Spirit of God in us. Alex, uh, there's victory in Jesus Christ, isn't there? Amen, there is. Well, Bert, it's so good to be with you. In Galatians chapter 5 in the New Testament is where we are. You know, Bert, there are parts of the Bible that are just so majestic, like a mountaintop. And in the Old Testament, I think, of course, about like the 23rd Psalm, which is so near and dear, and Isaiah 53. And in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, the chapter on love is so powerful. Uh, But Galatians 5 is just one of those mountain peaks of God's Word. And I remember as a young Christian, I had only been saved a little while and I was reading through the New Testament, and I read and reread Galatians 5, and, and you'll see what we're talking about. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he was privileged to write some of the most poetic and beautiful parts of the Word of God, wasn't he? He was, and again, in Galatians, let's remind everybody, this is the first recorded letter that we have that Paul wrote that's in the New Testament. Uh, other letters would come later. We don't know if he wrote other letters that were not, you know, a part of the canon, but this is the first one. And I'm telling you, let me put it this way. If you start out writing a letter like this the first oh, time, yeah. there's no telling how good it's going to get next. Amen. <laughs> well, you know, in verse 1, uh, Galatians chapter 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. All right, there, there's a sermon right there in that verse. Isn't it something we're free, but yet we're to stand firm in this freedom and not be entangled in the yoke of, of legalism? And the word freedom there, you know, Bert, one of the churches that we work with a lot has a mission uh, work in uh, uh, the country of Eleuthera. And I don't know if it was named for this, but the Greek word that is Eleuthera is the word freedom. And maybe they named that island of Eleuthera for that word. But we have Eleuthera, freedom in Christ. We don't have to work and earn salvation. For one thing, we can't. But he paid the price because only he could. And so we need to just be grateful for that freedom. And in verse 2, Paul says, you know, that if you yourselves be, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, in other words, if you're going to trust in works, then what Christ did on the cross really hasn't benefited you or done you good as as you should let it do. It is, and as you continue that that we covered yesterday, it builds all the way up to verse 9. And you referred to this as one of the very common statements that you hear in in our vernacular that is from Scripture. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. In other words, do not let these Judaizers ruin you. They're wrong. Leaven was always, most of the time, maybe there's one or two times you wonder if that leaven is good or bad, but most of the time in the Bible, leaven is referred to as that which is bad. Don't let that little group of Judaizers ruin all of you. Stay strong. And he says, I have very confidence 
that the judgment they will get, they'll get later. Don't you worry about it. There's, they're, they're going to get it. And so after he does that, he, he goes to verse, uh, you know, this verse 11 that I read to open the scripture. And notice what he does again. He brings up the relationship, brethren. He does this quite often in the book of Galatians. I think a little bit more than he does in any other book to remind them of the relationship they have with Christ and the relationship they have with him. And he says, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish mm-hmm. that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. So in other words, if they are going to preach this doctrine of, of the Judaizers, they're going to be cut off. Listen, you need to cut them off. He, he is saying to the churches at Galatia, have nothing to do with these people, Alex. Verse 4 of Galatians chapter 5, uh, and I've got one of the more modern translations, and, and I picked this. It's easy to understand, but here's the irony. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, here's the thing. In legalism, people trying to get connected to the Lord actually were alienated from the from the Lord through their trusting in works, not Christ's work and not God's grace. That's irony, isn't it? Trying to work your way to God actually puts you farther away from Him. And that's the way it is. You've got to do God's work God's way. Uh, if you try to come any other way, the Bible says you're a thief and a robber. And trying to do this through works, you're robbing yourself of the liberty and the joy, Alex, as you combine mm-hmm. those. And, and that's what he is saying for him. It does not add anything to your walk with the Lord. Because he's going to talk about this, and as I've been going over this leaven and talking about the liberty that it has, he's going to get how this liberty works. It doesn't work with just what Christ has done for you. You are saved by what Christ has done for you. But to complete what God has for you, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes in, and that's why he starts talking about the Spirit and what he does later on in this chapter. So here it is. The the work, if you start with Christ, you don't go back to works. You depend on the Holy Spirit, and he brings those things into your life. Those things mm-hmm. about what is right and what's wrong, the Holy Spirit will lead you. And so that's the liberty that we have, the liberty to follow Christ and the liberty to be like him. They call them little Christians, little Christ. Yes. And uh, so that's the whole idea. Paul's trying to get that across to these believers in Galatia. You know, uh, Bert, uh, earlier today you and I were talking, and it was my privilege to share the gospel with a gentleman last night. And I didn't lead him all the way to the Lord, but uh, sowed some seeds. And we were talking about what Jesus did on the cross, the sinless Son of God, perfectly righteous, the appropriate measure of God's wrath that you and I deserved was put on Jesus. Jesus paid our sin debt. And the gentleman that I was sharing with, and I would I would ask people to pray for him. His name was Jack, and uh, we were trying to lead him to Christ, but he kept referring back to his own righteousness. And I would say, you know, we're all sinners. Do you believe that? Yes, we're sinners. I said, okay, good. It's good that you understand that. And he would say, but you know what? I've never done anything all that bad. And, you know, we classify sin, and we think of, you know, robbing a bank or doing something especially heinous. And he said, you know, compared to anybody else, I'm not the worst, but I'm not the best. And I said, yeah, compared to each other, but how are you compared to Jesus? Because that's the one. It really doesn't matter how we might think we compare to our neighbor here or there, but compared to the Holy Son of God, we're all, you know, there's, there's an incredible chasm of difference between our assumed righteousness and Jesus's actual righteousness. And so Paul says this, it's, I've always thought it was kind of sad. 
in verse 7, he says, you were running a good race, past tense, were running a good race. But who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. In other words, you were trusting Christ, but then somewhere along the journey, you decided to trust works. And Bert, isn't that the bent of the human heart that somehow we always, or not always, but very often, we tend to think about works-based righteousness. And we don't have any righteousness of our own. It's only Christ's righteousness that can set us uh, in good standing before a holy God. That's the reason sometimes checklists are used by those that believe we're saved by Christ plus works. In other words, I've trusted Christ, but now I've done this, I've done that, I checked that off, checked that off. No, the checking off does not work. That's part of growing, but it's growing in the Holy Spirit as he comes into your life, as he makes much of Jesus, and and it gives us liberty. Notice what it says in verse 13. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, Alex, that's what a lot of people, they think it means. In other words, a license. It is not a license. Let me just say this. If you have professed Christ and you're still living your life as if there was no change in your life, the Bible talks about it in Corinthians, that we're new creation in Christ. Things have become, all things have become new. If there's not been a change in your life, I just want to tell you, you need to go back. You need to check up to see what you did. Did Christ really come into your life? Were you just having an emotional experience? Were you going through a checklist? I've done this. I prayed this little prayer. No, it is a relationship that you need to come to Christ. Do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So Alex, again, Paul is driving it home that it is not by works, but at the same time, it's not that liberty without some limits that Christ puts on us. And he said those limits are brought about in verse 16, as we walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's Mm -hmm. what he's done for us. This liberty brings in Christ who sets us right and guides us through life. So the Holy Spirit does in us what the works can't do. In other words, the Spirit can work in our lives after Christ comes in. We've asked him to be in our life. He leads us along. Works, the law will never do that, will it? Well, it won't. And, you know, like you say, Galatians was probably the first letter he wrote, you know, after his conversion. Um, And when you read like Galatians 5, does it almost remind you of Romans 6? Because in Romans 6, Paul says, you know, what should we say? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know, God forbid. And of course, we are set free. But if we uh, take that freedom to be licensed, that's, that's not what our freedom in Christ really is. And of course, you know, you mentioned verse 16 and following. I mean, this is just some of the most, um, well, it's so powerful and so relevant, but it's frankly just poetic and beautiful too, isn't it? It is, and I think we're going to be able to cover the rest of chapter 5 in the next segment. You don't go away because it's going to compare the flesh and the Spirit, what the flesh produces and what the Spirit of God produces in us. We can't produce it ourselves, but He can. Stay tuned for more here on Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Lieutenant General Jody Daniels, Chief of the United States Army Reserve. She leads the nearly 188,000 men and women of the Army Reserve. Psalm 144 reminds us that our strength comes from God. Blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Lieutenant General Jody Daniels. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. 
To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. When Jesus died on the cross, he took on himself the punishment for your sins and mine. Dr. Tony Evans says that's called substitutionary atonement. He'll share a modern-day example guaranteed to help you grasp that idea as we spend two minutes with Tony. A policeman in France became a substitutionary atonement. He offered to go in when the terrorists took over this place with 15 or so hostages, and he says, I will go in if you let one of the ladies come out. The officer went inside, and they let the lady out. There was an exchange. The lady was being controlled by a terrorist, but there was a substitute. The policeman offered to substitute himself for the terrorist that was holding her hostage, and the terrorist let her go. The terrorist killed the substitute. The substitute lay dead. There is no way in the world that this woman that has now been set free because somebody voluntarily substituted their life for her, that she should go out and live any other kind of way than a grateful life. Because if it wasn't for the substitute, she wouldn't even be here. It was the substitute that gave her a reason for living all the rest of the days of her life. It was Jesus' death on the cross that when you really understand what he accomplished, should affect you living the rest of your life. And that new eternal life can begin for you today. To find out how, visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and open the Jesus link. Tony will explain how to receive the payment Jesus made on your behalf on the cross. Check it out today, then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. You fight for me. I will remember. You're all I need. You are my This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're going to continue in Galatians 5. 16 through 26. It is beautiful. I can't wait till we read through it. But Bert, uh, before we resume Galatians 5, I think you've got a pretty significant event coming up this year, and would you tell us about it? Yes, it's the Fishbowl Retreat for Pastors and Wives. We didn't get to do it last year, but so this year we're bringing it back. It's going to be October the 19th through the 21st at Pickwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee. And it is for pastors and wives, and we are having people calling in. We have people that are registering, and there always is a limited amount. We we don't have a huge number because Jan and I want to get to know them and talk with them. And if you have too many, we found out you can't do that. So need to get it in and do it now. Jan and I will be there, and Ed Vitagliano will be the teacher, and J.J. Jasper will come, and he'll have a session where he will really make us laugh, and, you know, laughter does good like a medicine, but then he's going to bring it. Yeah, he'll bring it home and have a message that will help your life, and you can go to repairingthefoundations.net, and you can register, repairingthefoundations.net, and when you do that, listen, you'll be a you'll be blessed. Uh, we've done this for years now, and uh, we have people that want to return. They say, man, this is so good. And so, Alex, uh, the Pastor and Wife Fishbowl Retreat, October the 19th through the 21st, and register at repairingthefoundations.net. Wow. Well, thank you, Bert. You're doing such a great work. And uh, I'll be in Raleigh, North Carolina, Sunday night, 6 p.m. Shepherd's Chapel, just a great church in Raleigh. I'll be doing a, a biblical worldview presentation and live Q&A. And so if you happen to be in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, I look forward to seeing you Sunday night. And uh, don't forget Truth for a New Generation. I'll tell you more about that tomorrow, but you can go to truthforanewgeneration.com to learn about that upcoming apologetics gathering this fall. But in Galatians 5, Bert, oh my goodness, this is so just wonderful. Let me read a little bit of this, and we're going to comment. It says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh 
lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Well, Bert, there's a lot going on here, but the word walk, um, uh, it's a pretty famous word, peripatetic, to walk around. The, the Greek teachers, like Aristotle, they would take a walk and people would follow them. And life is a journey, it is. How are we to go forth? In the Spirit and not by the flesh. And uh, verse 17 says, the Spirit and the flesh, they fight against one another. They're contrary to one another or contradictory. And Bert, isn't that the way it is? Isn't it an either-or proposition? Either we're being led by the Lord or we're not. Well, that's exactly right, Alex. And you're talking about the word walk. What about the word fulfill? It's the same word. Jesus came not to do away with the law, but what? Fulfill the law. And here it is, when the Spirit comes in, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Christ did it so that we could be fulfilled in him. And that's the only way you're going to do it. Now, the works of the flesh, that how do you how do you combat it? Well, here what they were saying, the Judaizers, you just gotta have the willpower. You got to do it. You 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 fight against that. And again, it is that that you do not let the lust of the uh, flesh take over, but they didn't tell you about the help that we have. It would be mm. impossible on our own to be able to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in our lives. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, I think, proved that when the Holy Spirit came in power, look at the difference in one man, all the rest of them you look at too, but Peter, before that, he would deny he even knew Jesus when that little girl said, I recognize that accent. You're one of his followers from up in Galilee. And he cursed and said, no, he didn't. But the next time that Peter is talked to and they tell him he can't speak anymore in that name, he, through the power of the Holy Spirit energizing him, was say, able, we can't help but speak and speak and share the things that we've seen and heard. That is the power of the Spirit, and that's the reason Paul comes walking. As you go through life, walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. They're contrary mm. to one another. Honestly, that word contrary, they battle one another, Alex, so that you cannot do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, that's a dig to the Judaizers, Alex. That last yes. phrase, you're not under the law. If you will follow the Spirit, you, you're you not under the law that these Judaizers want you under. I've come, Jesus has come to set you free. I preach that the liberty you have, and they're trying to get you back under bondage. No, let the Spirit of the Lord lead you. There's freedom in that, Alex. Wow, well said, Bert. There really is. And you know what? Um, I don't mean to skip around here, but... Um, you know, the spirit and the flesh are contrary to each other. And I looked up that word in the uh, Greek, it's the word antithetical. You know, you've heard somebody say, well, this idea is antithetical to that position or whatever, but it means two things that really can't be reconciled. And Bert, I'm sure you've heard an illustration about like, you know, two dogs and the one you feed is going to be the one that's dominant. That's what goes on. And as we read on it, we're going to talk about some of the, the works of the flesh. And in fact, I, I'll read on this right now because what you feed is is the one that will have the preeminence in your life um, before i resume reading bert you and i were going over some questions that came in and somebody we didn't get to it on a show yet but somebody had written me and said um how do i convince a fellow christian that he ought to go to church and, you know, of course, well, the New Testament tells us to be a part of a church and to go to church. But let me say this, and I'll, I'll just read on, that the, the one you feed, and part of feeding your soul and, your, and making sure that you are led by the Spirit is doing the things that will be conducive to your spiritual growth. Now, verse um, 19 says in Galatians 5, the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, 
heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's the thing. It's not that any of these can't be forgiven. They can be forgiven. But if these things and sin and living for yourself and the flesh, if that's what characterizes your life, means you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're not ever led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not in you, you know? And so we're we're to do the things, if we've trusted Christ and we're yielded to the Lord, we are to do the things that contribute to being led by the Spirit, which really is the evidence that we've been changed, converted, saved, isn't it? It does. And when you look at these they fit into three categories, and, you know, you remember it says the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you know, the lust of the eyes. Here, the sins, they're the sensual sins, uh, the senses, the adultery, fornication, and then there's the spiritual sins that come out, that that idolatry, sorcery, and then there's the social sins the hatred, the contentions. In other words, they affect every aspect of your life, Alex. The work of the flesh comes, just like Satan, to kill, steal, and destroy. And when Satan is in control of the flesh and you just surrender your life to whatever you want and not have guards over it and not have, like it says in the uh, Psalms, guard your heart, when you don't guard your heart, you're setting yourself up for these things. But then at the end, it says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this word practice means it's become a lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. a, it's more than a habit. It's a lifestyle. In other words, that lifestyle and the Christian, are they're incompatible. Just like you set up here, contrary to one another, they're incompatible. They're at war with one another. They cannot be reconciled. That's the reason you have war and you have battles is that that issue cannot be irreconcilable. That's exactly. And here, that's the idea of this practice. Those that continue in this, practice this, and, and this is their lifestyle, they are not part of the kingdom. So here you have someone who proclaims but does not possess you know Mm -hmm. uh the bible talks about that you know they talk the talk but they don't walk the walk and i I think judas's carrot is a uh picture of that with all my heart i feel like that's what he was demas who loved the love the present world he walked with paul for a while looked like he was one of us and looked like it but he went out from them because he's never with them he left having loved the present world. And so, Alex, Paul is setting it up here. Which one are you going to be? The works of the flesh yeah. or the fruit of the Spirit? One more thing, and I'll throw it back to you. Notice the difference. Works and fruit. <laughs> uh, yeah. All that the flesh can do is work up stuff. But the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit produces in us. It produces right, right. that which is life, Alex. Exactly, exactly. Verse 22 and following, let me just read this because I I think it's so beautiful. But the fruit of the Spirit, literally the fruit produced by the Spirit in your life is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That means self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. Bert, I'm gonna the way I would take verse twenty five, if you're saved, live like it. Right? Am I right? Show it, brother. Yes. Show it. Uh, let it be seen that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Now, what are those good works? I, I just want to tell you, yes, it's doing good to your neighbor. Yes, it's baking that cake and taking it to that neighbor. Yes, it's visiting that person that's in the uh, you know care facility. It is all of that. That is serving the Lord, teaching that class. But I want to tell you, the thing that gets the attention of the world are these nine characteristics being mm-hmm. demonstrated in our lives at the workplace, in the home, on the golf course, uh, at the baseball field. When they see these being demonstrated in our lives, Alex, uh, it is 
it draws them to you. And again, fruit versus works. In other words, the works is what we produce. The only thing we can produce within ourselves is stuff that is listed there in verse 19 and following. But the things that the Holy Spirit produces in us through dwelling in him, I think you got to go back to the vine that Jesus talked about in John. I, you know, the vine, the fruit, and yeah. the vine. And he says, you'll bear what? Much fruit. Alex, this is the fruit of the Spirit, and he is able to produce it in our lives when we do what? Walk in the Spirit. You know, the word uh, provoke or provocation, Hebrews 10 talks about provoking one another to love and good works. Now, Hebrews 5, I'm sorry, Galatians 5.26 says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, you don't want to make people envious or angry. And the word, you know, provoke and, and envy, we know what jealousy and envy is. And we, Galatians 5.26, if we're led by the Spirit, we don't want to be provoking each other to something fleshly. But according to Hebrews 10.24, we would want to, I take it this way, inspire one another Amen. To, to good works. And so after this great chapter of warning the, the works of the flesh to stand against, laying out the fruit of the Spirit to aspire to, as we let God work in our own life, it's a witness to those around us. And, you know, Galatians 5.26 is talking really about fellow Christians. Isn't it something that we have an obligation to God, we have a stewardship calling in our own lives, we have a witness to the watching world, but really, the either spirituality or carnality, it really impacts the body of believers around us as well, doesn't it? It does, and it encourages us. And, uh, you know, we have the gifts of the Spirit, and one of those is encouragement. But let me just tell you, you don't have to have that, quote, spiritual gift to be an encouragement. You are an encouragement when you're living out this Spirit-led life. One thing, real quick, don't have a lot of time. Notice, it is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. Now, Alex, there's, I, I think that's important. In other words, it's not you pick and choose. Oh, uh, I want the right. Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit to produce kindness in me. No, he produces these. It's like a cluster of grapes, someone said, and they come. Someone has said the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then from that comes the other eight qualities that come from love. You can look at this in many ways, but these are produced. They're, they're the joy. It's the upward qualities that we have with God. It is the qualities that we have with one another, that we treat one another fairly, kindly. But it's also how we feel within. We have self-control within. So just as the flesh, it is a part of everything that's going on. You remember I said it's the sensual sin, spiritual mm -hmm. and social. The right. fruit of the Spirit can, is invading every part of our life. Nothing is left out, Alex. Well said, well said. And you know what? It is a lifelong endeavor. I mean, working on ourselves to be conformed to the image of Christ and His plan not only is it a lifelong adventure, it is the pathway to joy that we all want, that fulfillment. Hey, you're listening to Exploring the Word. When we come back, we're going to get to questions. The number, 888-589-8840. Call us. Did you ever try to drive from one place to another while looking in the rearview mirror? Please don't. It's a recipe for disaster. We have to keep our eyes on the road ahead of us. Will Addison says in our spiritual life, we can't take our eyes off Jesus or we're guilty of looking back. If you need some biblical help to keep from looking back at the world, you need to read Will's article in The Stand. It's called The Tragedy of Looking Back. You'll find it and more when you visit afa.net slash the stand. 
Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Anyone notice a pattern here? Grace, mercy, and love all require truth. It is unloving to conceal or sidestep truth. Often, people avoid truth and use love as a justification, when in reality, their truth aversion is a self-preservation tactic. You cannot claim to love someone and simultaneously affirm them in a lie. The absence of truth nullifies the application of grace. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, the Lord Jesus Christ says this, Behold, I am making all things new. Michelle and I love home renovation shows on television, but I've noticed they never take outdated, dilapidated, smelly, ugly houses and say, hey, we'll just sweep and mop and it'll be great. No, they demolish sometimes all the way down to the foundation and make the whole thing new, fresh, and beautiful. Well, Jesus does more than that in us. When we're saved, he makes himself our new foundation, and then he rebuilds every part of our lives for his glory. He wipes out the guilt of our sin. He redeems the regrets of our past. He gives us a brand new future. He doesn't just clean up our old lives. He makes us a brand new creation. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revow your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. is in Jesus. What a perfect song for what we're studying in the New Testament book of Galatians. And I encourage you to read on ahead in Galatians 6 and we'll uh, continue on. But right now is the time when we go to phone calls and your Bible questions. The number, if you want to call in with a Bible question, we would love to hear from you, but it's 888-589-8840 here on the American Family Radio Network. And, Bert, uh, with whom shall we speak first? Well, let's go to the state of Mississippi and talk to Alan. Alan, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate all that you and uh, AFR does. Uh, Thank you all very much. I want to go back to a boy called yesterday asking you all what kind of church should he be looking for, what should he look for in the church. And I just want to share, and people need to know what kind of churches are here now, even in the Bible Belt. I'm in South Mississippi, and I have a church right across the road from my home, and it's, uh, they have online service. And I've been looking at it, and this month they're having uh, movie month, and they show clips of movie, and they bring the gospel out of it. And the movie they showed this last uh, Sunday was a Disney Pixar movie, Onward, and they're all cartoons from Disney. And the movie is full of black magic, wizardry, and uh, just all kind of stuff. And... Uh, Alan, mm-hmm. I, I 
you know, a few years ago when they first started doing that, the technology made it possible to like show a clip from it. Alex, uh, I, I did one or two, but I was very, very careful about which one to yeah. do because if it's shown, I don't care. It, it gives credibility to it when it shows black magic or whatever it is. I, I think, yeah. I think it's something to be cautious about. What about you? Yeah, uh, and and I hear you. Sometimes we we try to use things that are current and and happening in the news, and we use it as a teachable moment. But Bert is right. There's so much objectionable material in there. It's hard to pick anything. Two two resources. One I I've written for extensively, and one not. Uh, but I know the people. But plugged in with focus on the family. Pluggedin.com. They have movie reviews. And they try to help you, as a Christian, make God-honoring entertainment choices. The other, Ted Baer, and Bert, I believe we've interviewed him on the program before. They um, inter- they overview and analyze movies and entertainment from a Christian perspective. But um, that's why, as as uh, you know, fraught with modern entertainment is with you know evil stuff. I'm thankful for. You know things like Sherwood Baptist Church and the the movies that the um, you know uh, Michael Catt and his church have made, and there are some some Christian entertainment choices out there that are that are very wholesome and, and biblical, aren't they? They are. And again, I, if you're listening, you're a pastor, and you want to be careful which ones you show. It it does give credibility, and in, in in a way, I. Listen, it's like an approval of that. So be careful with that and showing it that way. I I can't uh, say we, it enough. We don't want to give endorsement to exactly. something that's unbiblical. That's right. Alan, thank you, brother. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Hoyt. Hoyt, welcome. Hey, Bert. Good to have you, brother. Now, now I'm blind. I have a Braille Bible and uh all the alpha, virtually all the alphabet in Braille stands for a word. But, but my question is, in the last chapter of Daniel, which is chapter 12, mm-hmm. the last three verses, especially on verse 12 where it says, Blessed is he who wakes, and it says, comes to the 1,000... 335 days. Okay. Alex, we've gone over this before, and it you, you've shared it. You, you're up on the numbers here better than me. But uh, we've talked about the time period. It has something to do with that, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, you know, there there's a couple of things that we need to think about when we're looking at Bible prophecy and Daniel. For one, there's some information about the halfway point of the tribulation, but the, um, from the decree to rebuild the walls to Messiah's being cut off, uh, he blesses he who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days is talking about not only the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, but the time of the tribulation and his return. And, you know, we don't... Um, Without getting too far deep into the weeds right now, let me just say what this. Daniel was written at least 500 years before the birth of Christ, and it accurately predicts not only the time of Christ's resurrection from March 14, 445 B.C. till Passover uh, around 32 A.D. when Jesus was crucified, but even, um, let me just say this, the time of uh, the midway point of the tribulation to the Battle of Armageddon and Christ's return, it's it's in there. And so what it says here is, blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. Let me just say this. Even though the minutia of Bible prophecy is very complicated, equally good and godly people differ on some of the specifics. But here's the thing. If you know Jesus, you're secure in Christ— and you live for the Lord, you you are safe in Jesus. And all of the um, the unsettling, if not frightening, things we read about regarding the tribulation, 
you as a born-again believer, you're going to be shielded from those things. And so we know Christ, and we will wait for and reach the end of the time of this world, and when Christ comes back, we'll be ready, we'll be prepared. Amen. Thank you, Hoyt. Appreciate you. We want to go to Mississippi and talk to Dustin. Dustin, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, hello. How you doing? Doing good. Uh, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. I hadn't heard uh, anything out of you guys. I've been listening to y'all all day from Trinidad this morning. I got a couple questions here. I was, I, well, as a matter of fact, I uh, heard Brother Alex speaking down in uh, Carthage, Mississippi, some great months back, but I never got to hear you. But anyway, uh, if you guys ever back in this part, let us know. The three questions I've got here is I was listening to the program today on Galatians 5, and I missed chapter 12. Now, I mean, verse 12 down said, I wish that everyone who is upsetting you would not only get circumcised, but would cut off much more. I know Paul was hard on a lot of these people. So, but now y'all guys went past that faster than I could touch up with it. Maybe y'all could enlighten me on that one. Another one earlier today, before Alex got cut off and lost his phone service on the earlier part of the program this morning, this was uh, two, two verses in uh, Romans over there. It's 26 and 27, and I'm reading this straight from the book. God let them follow their own evil desires. If women no longer wanted to have sex in a natural way, and they did things with each other that were not natural. said, men, in the same way, they stopped wanting to have sex with women and had strong desires with other, have sex with other men. They did shameful things which in others that has happened to them is punishment for the foolish deeds. Does that mean age and stuff like that has, has took these people over? Okay, Bill, Dustin, let, let thank me, you. Go ahead, Alex. Let me take the first part of that. You were talking about Galatians 5.12. Uh, Paul makes some irony here because these people were adding works to salvation and preaching circumcision, which was really emblematic for the entirety of the Jewish law. And in verse 12, he says, I wish they were even cut off which trouble you. See, it's kind of an irony. Circumcision is involves a cutting and Paul says, here's what I really wish was cut off, all these people that were misleading you. Now, regarding the Romans, yeah, I do think that the sexual sin that would be so pervasive in the last days, and it says receiving in their bodies the penalty appropriate for what they've done. Bert, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here, uh, but I remember back in the 80s when AIDS first came out, and Dr. Jerry Falwell and Adrian Rogers and some people said, look, sin has a consequence, and uh, whether it's uh, venereal diseases or AIDS, if you're going to live a sexually immoral life, there are consequences for that. And of course, the ministers who pointed that out were just castigated, but, it, but it's true. Sin has a consequence. That's why we plead with people to be saved. But um, yeah, Romans uh, lays it out in pretty, pretty bold, hard terms, doesn't it? It does. Another example of that is drug use, uh, Alex. You know, not just sexual sin, but sensual, which is meaning all of these misuse of your senses. And uh, there's a time when they were cutting uh, certain drugs with talcum powder. And mm. there is people, and they, they quit. But later on in life, they started going blind. And what it was, the talcum powder did not break down like the other chemicals did. And it got stuck in the eyes, the, the, the veins that go to the eyes, which led to blindness. So sin sad? always has consequences regardless. And some of those consequences is to you personally. Sometimes it's to those that are around you, your family. A man deserting his family, it results in a lot of consequences and suffering. It also suffers in society. So sin has a ramification. Sin is like the ripples in a pond throwing a rock in. It goes on and it does ha and run it runs its course through your life, others, and society. So I, mm. I believe that shows you in Romans because it's not just talking about individuals. It's talking about a society as well. Hey, let's go to Texas. Is it Vestai? Vestai? Hello? Yes, you're on. Go ahead. 
Um, yes, my question was about um, singlehood and marriage. So I have been single a really long time, but I've been praying for um, for a husband, and I really don't know what the biblical way to go about waiting is besides, like, praying and and um, just keeping myself busy in, in the things of God and everything. But I just hear a lot of different opinions that some people say, I need to go out there and put myself out there. Other people say, God's going to bring him to you. And um, I've been waiting eight years, and so I feel sometimes I feel like I'm doing something wrong, although I'm trying to serve the Lord um, mm. day by day. Um, but it's something that, it's a desire in my heart, but it's, it hasn't been fulfilled yet. And it's kind of frustrating sometimes. Honestly, so I just wanted y'all's opinion on that. Okay, Vesta. Let me just say this. Putting yourself out there has so many meanings, and most of them are wrong. But putting yourself in the hands of God and saying, Lord, I want your will to be done, be involved in in a church. Uh, a lot of times there's a Sunday school class that you can be involved in of singles and different ones. And God, I, I believe it's a combination Alex, yes, I believe God brings them into our lives, but we need to be alert that when they come, that this could be God's will. But you don't want to get ahead of God, do you? You don't. And, you know, your your question really touches my heart, and God bless you. You know, I promise you, somewhere, just as you're praying for a godly husband, somewhere there's a godly young man praying for a Christian wife. I really believe that. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Sister, you're doing the right thing by keeping the Lord first, and I would beg of you, don't just settle. And for goodness sakes, don't go by what the world does uh, and run ahead of God. I want to tell you, Angie and I, I remember when I was in seminary, Bert, and we had a Bible study in our apartment and there was this uh, young lady that was a nurse Angie worked with, just a beautiful Christian young lady. And she one day shared, she said, I've been praying for a husband, and just so many of the men out there are just creeps, you know. And, and we said, well, just wait on the Lord. And one day, a, a godly man, the, the perfect mate came. I could tell you so many stories. And so just keep on waiting on the Lord. I mean, go to church. But um, if you want a godly person, please don't revert to looking in ungodly places. Amen. I promise you, God is for marriage and family, and the right man in God's timing will come along. I'm very confident of that. Aren't you, Bert? Well, I am as well. We're going to pray for you. Lord, I pray that you'd leave, leave Vastai to that man that you would have for her and that man mm. to her. I pray, God, that you would reveal it, that you would just do that work. We trust mm -hmm. you. I pray that she would not get ahead of God. We talked about it uh, before, about Abraham and Sarah getting ahead of God, saying we got to help God out. And They mm -hmm. went to Hagar. How bad that is, Father. So I pray that Vestai would stay with you, walk with you, yes. and you will bring it about in your time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Danny, Ron, we won't be able to get to you today. Tomorrow is going to be Fire Away Friday. But real quickly, the, I want to tell my hour. story. Yeah, I was in church, uh, a teenager, singing in the choir. I couldn't sing a lick, but I was up there because the other youth were up there. And it was a good place to see all the girls that were at church. And <laughs> one of those mornings, there was this red, beautiful, red-headed girl that came in through those doors. I saw her. Five years later, I would marry that girl. God brought mm. Jan into my life at a strategic time. And so, Alex, I do believe, I don't say God's a divine matchmaker, but he is interested in your marriage and in your family, very interested. And he wants to bring it about for good, doesn't he? Exactly. And it's going to be godly families that help change this nation. Folks, we are so grateful for you listening to Exploring the Word. I mean, Seriously, we thank you for listening. Tell somebody about the program. Read on in Galatians 6. Go on AFR.net. Listen to the programs. Tell somebody about the show, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.